0: All right, great song there. Let's turn our Bibles to Luke chapter 23 this evening. And we're going to just in a little while observe the Lord's Supper. And uh, so much of the Christian life can become familiar, but also just remain symbolic. And we sometimes look at the symbols of the faith, the things that picture important doctrines and important events in the in the Word of God that sometimes we can forget the the reality of it and we can we can look in the Word of God and become familiar with the stories and especially the the story of the cross that we can sometimes forget the, the great agony that the Lord Jesus uh, had to go through in order to save us and um, read a couple of things here regarding the crucifixion. Uh, Crucifixion was a form of of torture that literally knocked the wind out of a person. The weight of the body suspended by the arms caused immediate pain in the chest, paralyzing the pectoral muscles and making breathing extremely difficult. The person being crucified could inhale but had great difficulty exhaling. To exhale, he had to push on his feet and strain in his legs to release the pressure exerted on his arms and chest. But the, the pain that this caused to his feet was so excruciating because of the nails that he would immediately cease any such effort. Death usually occurred within two or three days. But when the Romans wanted to shorten his agony, they would break his legs. So... Unable to straighten himself with the help of his legs, a man would suffocate rapidly. The soldiers broke the legs of the two thieves crucified with Jesus to hasten their deaths. But Jesus' legs were not broken because he was already dead. Thus was accomplished a prophecy from Scripture saying that none of his bones would, would be broken. And it's, 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 it's in this context, while he was fighting for his, very, his every breath, that Jesus uttered his last words. So while they were nailing his hands and feet to the cross or a little later when they were putting up the cross, Jesus cried out, Father, forgive them for they know not what they're doing. The majority of bandits and criminals, defiant and furious, would yell curses and insults while being nailed to a cross. But Jesus, filled with an amazing calmness and an inexplicable love, interceded with the Father for the forgiveness of his torturers As J.C. Ryle, the famous uh, pastor of Liverpool, expressed so well, while the blood of the greatest sacrifice started to flow, the greatest of all high priests started to intercede. Jesus, since he was God in the form of man, could have condemned his torturers or destroyed them with his breath. But then, what would his sufferings have accomplished? He came to save and not to judge. He preferred to die for the guilty which required of him even more strength and courage. Praying for one's torturers is not human. And Jesus was able to do it because of his intimate relationship with the Father. By so doing, he accomplished the words of the prophet Isaiah, because he hath poured out his soul unto death, and he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. And here in our story, next to him, suffering the same agonizing death as he, one thief asked Jesus a simple question, Lord, remember me. And what we see here in in some of his famous last words is his willingness to save. And for our Savior to be suffering in his greatest agony, to still look to the repentant one and willingly pardon says much for the great love that he has. And for a Savior to be a Savior, he must be able to save and then be willing to save. And Jesus was able to save because he was both able and willing. And what we read here is the malefactor knew at least this, that Jesus was different. He was Lord. And what we uh, sung a little bit on tonight, he was a lamb without spot or blemish. And it was, this was a lamb who was prophesied that would take all the sins of the world. And, and what we see here is Jesus' response. And we, last time we had the, the Lord's Supper, we looked at that first phrase in verse 34, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. But notice the the. There's a story unfolds, verse 39, And one of the malefactors which were hanged railed on him, saying, If thou be Christ, save thyself and us. But the other answering rebuked him, saying, Dost thou not fear God, seeing thou art in the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man hath done nothing amiss. And he said unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. Let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we have this evening. Thank you for the, the songs of worship that we were able to, to sing of your great love, of the great sacrifice that you willingly paid on the cross of Calvary, the, the shed blood. Lord, the the broken body, and Father, the great salvation that that wrought because of Lord, your willingness to, to lay down your life. And I pray that you'd help us this evening as we think about, again, your, your, your sacrifice for us and we, we look at, Lord, your response to this one that in many ways was undeserving. And yet, Lord, with great compassion, you were willing to save him. And so I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to, to think about about that in our own lives. And I pray that you'd help us, Lord, to just reflect on the great salvation that you've given us Father, we'd rejoice and we'd remember, and then, Lord, that we would just uh, have this time, Lord, with, with great uh, rejoicing in spirit, Lord. And so I pray that you'd please just be with us as we open your word tonight. In Jesus' name, amen. And so notice Jesus' response to this one who really, in, in, in many ways, we wouldn't see as a typical uh, soul-winning um, contact or candidate wasn't anyone that perhaps anyone really cared for in many ways those who were there would have just come along to see just like it would they would typically they would see some criminals on the cross and they would just look upon them with with somewhat some pity i guess but in many ways just out of out of interest and yet what we see here is this conversation and this this little back and forth that the Lord Jesus had with these two, and we know one who simply just wanted to mock, and in his own pain and agony, wanted to extend that to one that was right there in the in the middle cross, and yet another one just had some understanding, at least an understanding that this one that he was speaking with, this one that was being railed upon, wasn't just another man, another criminal, but indeed. Someone who was the Lord, someone who could possibly save him. And Jesus comes to this, this one and he says these words, Verily I say unto thee, today shalt thou be with me in paradise. And we're going to just take some note of these words that, that, that the Lord spoke. And, and think about how, how Jesus responds in this moment. And what we see firstly is that Jesus declares, there's a declaration of truth. He says, Verily, verily, he says, Verily I say unto thee. And this was a response to the thief's question about being remembered by the Lord. And we, we read that earlier. He said, Jesus unto Jesus, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And, and you know, the, the understanding about Jesus was that he was the Messiah, that somehow he was going to usher in a kingdom here on earth. And that was really the Jewish understanding. Really, right up to this point, even his own disciples thought that and that's why they were so shocked. That's why they, they became scattered when they saw Jesus being, being nailed to the cross. They were shocked at the fact that this Messiah wasn't come right there to, uh, to establish a kingdom, but rather to be a saviour and a sacrifice. And right here, we see that, that this, this man... He just came to Jesus with what he knew. He didn't have perfect understanding of who he was. He just understood that he was Lord. And what we see is that as this man approaches Jesus with that kind of sincerity, that Jesus looks on him and he understands and he responds with a declaration of the truth. And we see firstly the thief's imperfect question. He says, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom. And again, the, the focus on the kingdom it wasn't a focus on anything else. It was a focus on that. And the, the thief had, when you think about it, no theological background. He, he, he didn't have any further knowledge than the fact that he is Lord. He, he didn't have any, uh, any degree, perhaps, uh, to his name that, that could signify a greater understanding of anything. He didn't go through a course. He simply came with a simple plea. It was a simple plea that, that Jesus would remember him, and he simply asked Jesus as best as he knows how. And I'm reminded of the fact that, you know, when, when it comes to approaching Christ for our salvation, it's just a simple faith, isn't it? You know, the Bible tells us that it's a childlike faith. It's a faith that believes in who he is. And, and many times we can, uh, we can over, uh, overcomplicate complicate the simple gospel. And we can try to run people through it. And I understand that people have questions. I understand that sometimes to arrive to the the crux of the matter that there's some questions that need to be addressed. But when it comes down to it, the thing that saves a person is a knowledge of who Jesus is. It's an understanding that he came to be a sacrifice and he came to be a saviour. And so at times even in our own agony even in our times of need even as God's people sometimes we come to come to him without really a perfect question you know you ever been in a situation and i can imagine this would be a situation for the thief where you're in so much pain and you're in so much agony of your situation that you don't even really know how to ask the question you don't even know what to ask you know, sometimes we're in such anguish of spirit that we utter words that can't be, uh, can't be understood. And yet what the Bible tells us that the Holy Spirit, he understands. And he understands and, and he, he gets the gist of what we're trying to get at. He, he knows what the bottom line is for us. He knows the agony of that. And right here, Jesus comes to him even in his imperfect question. And he, he, he perceives what the thief was doing, he was asking out of sincerity. You know, there's many of us who actually know what to say. We know the words, we've uttered them before. We go through motions of religiosity. We have forms of that that, that just come so, so easily to our mind when we're praying and asking and speaking sort of the language of the Christian, and yet so many times that comes without sincerity that comes without a reality, that comes just out of rote rather than a heartfelt need. And yet so many times what we should be doing is really coming to, to Christ with a sincerity, just with, a, with at times maybe even a desperation. And yet what, what he does is he comes and, and he, he's found of us in Deuteronomy 4.29, but if from thence thou shalt seek the Lord thy God, thou shalt find him, if thou seek him with all thy heart and with all thy soul. You know what that is? It's sincerity. And we could come even in, the, in our lack of understanding at times, and yet the Lord's response is always perfect. He says unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Jesus responds with what's true. You know, he, his response to us are always truth, and the truth is what helps us have clarity in a time of seeking. In fact, Jesus himself Speaking about himself, he says unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. He says in John 17, 17, Sanctify them through thy truth, thy word is truth. And so he comes to him with what's true. He says, verily. You know what that means? Truly, I say unto you. Here's truth. And the fear of the Lord, the Bible says in Psalm 19:9, 9, is clean, enduring forever. The judgments of the Lord are true and righteous, Altogether, And so often, when we're seeking Him in our, in our real questions, in our agony, Jesus' calm response to the brokenness of our situation is one of just truth. That's why it's so needful for us to have that relationship with the truth, the Word of God. You know, the, the sincere seeker will always find the sincere truth of the Word of God. And he, he comes with that great calmness, to that brokenness that this man was facing. And what Jesus did was respond uh, to his need. This man had a real need. The thief understood that this was the end for him. He understood that this, this was no longer, there was not going to be a prolonging of this. He was in desperate need. And, and he turns to Jesus. And you know, he didn't face rebuke. He just, he just faced a gentle acknowledgement of his plea. him. He had absolutely nothing to offer the Lord, and yet he was given a gentle response. You know, so often it's only those we, it's, it's only those we can... Some, we can um, it's only those times when we're in, in absolute need, when we're in anguish of spirit, when we're in desperate situations that we can often hear the, the still small voice and the gentle voice of God. And our manners suddenly become unimportant. It's just about the need. And Jesus, in his goodness and his grace and his mercy, he responds to meet that need. And we see in James 3.17, but the wisdom that is from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits, without partiality and without hypocrisy. And God gives us what we need. And I hope that as we we take a little bit of time tonight, that we just were reminded of that time where we called out in our absolute need for salvation. You know, I think sometimes we become too professional in our Christian life, that we do away with the desperation. We do away with the sincerity and that fervor of spirit to pray and to seek him. And so we see that, we see, firstly, Jesus' declaration of the truth. And then notice, notice as we think about this, uh, this response again, he says, Verily I say unto thee, he says, Today shalt thou be with me in paradise. And we see, secondly, Jesus' deliverance of the thief. And the life of the thief, again, was about to end. And here the deliverance wasn't one for this life, it was one for the next. And Jesus' words speak of one who knew he could deliver those from the greatest peril Death Jesus understood what he had to offer. He offered deliverance he, he didn 't offer uh, just some sort of self help you know, uh, narrative it wasn 't just some sort of little little gem of wisdom. no Jesus what he had to offer was absolute deliverance and I want to tell you that sometimes when we come to just the just the, the, the appreciation for salvation, you know. Sometimes we think it's just a it's just an add-on and it's just another thing. And and you know what? We better be careful to remind ourselves that actually, when we got saved, it was absolute deliverance from an absolute punishment. And he, the thief understood. He understood the the great condemnation that he was he was going to face. He he understood that that what he was about to face was death. And yet here, Jesus is speaking to him about his deliverance. Today, shalt thou be with me in paradise. You know, the, the act of, of the sacrifice of Christ on the cross, it was one that brought hope after, life, after, after death. And, you know, the Bible tells us in, in, uh, in First Corinthians chapter 15, that great chapter on the gospel, the, these poetic words, O death, where is thy sting, O grave? Where is thy victory? And you know, so often we hear that in, in a funeral. We hear that when, when we observe the end of life of someone and, and we're comforted with that. But do you know that that's a reality for us every day? You know that as Christians, that actually even when there's no guarantee, that when the Bible tells us to boast not ourselves of tomorrow, for we know not what a day may bring forth, when we don't know if it's our last breath, when we don't know if it's our last step, that actually... Death has no hold and no power over us. That death is so temporary, it's a doorway into the life to come. And he's delivered us from so great a death and doth deliver, the Bible says. And we see that it's a deliverance from condemnation. He knew he was condemned. He knew that he was deserving of this punishment and the punishment to come. And yet the Lord gave him great comfort to say that he's going to be with him. They were found in condemnation and judgment was set for their wrong and yet he finds himself there recognizing that Jesus was there to deliver him. And I'm so glad. You know, In Romans 8.1, the Bible tells us, there is therefore now no condemnation to them which are in Christ Jesus. And so tonight, if you're saved, there's no condemnation. You know, when we take part tonight of the, of the bread and the the grape juice it's a it's it's a remembrance of the the sacrifice of the Lord Jesus that brought us out of condemnation he brought us into a a place of, of great assurance it brought us to a place of belonging and and they he understood that this thief he says earlier on we indeed justly he understood that they were, giving, they were getting the due reward of their deeds. And he admitted their guilt. He understood that he was guilty before a holy God. And so he comes confessing that. And so what Jesus does is he delivers him from his condemnation, but also just delivers him from death. He says, today thou shalt be. You know, there wasn't, a, there wasn't going to be an ending. This was just another beginning today thou shalt be. You know, for the Christian to be absent in the body is to be present with the Lord. There's great comfort in that. There's a natural fear of death. There's a a fear. You know, when I get on the edge of something, I'm afraid of heights, there's a real fear. And there's a real fear of death that comes naturally. You know, we do all we can to avoid that. But we also understand as, as God's people as Christians, that actually were delivered from that, were delivered from the sting of death. And when Jesus said, today, there was an understanding that this was a rescue from the certainty of death, and actually, today, thou shalt be. It wasn't just going to be an end. It was going to be a beginning. And this was a guarantee from Jesus that there was a life to come after death. And I'm so glad for that. I'm so glad I think about my loved ones who've gone before think about my grandma, who just in the last year passed. I think about those who I know who have gone on to eternity. I think about the time that they're having with the Lord. But I think about the glad reunion one day. And so we see that he was delivered. But then also we see Jesus' desire for us. Because he says there, Verily I say unto thee, today thou shalt be, and doesn't stop there, with me in paradise. And you know the, the great beauty of 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 heaven and really the, the promise given here to the thief was paradise. This is a this is a word that describes the bliss of heaven itself. And it's a picture of a of a of an enclosure of a park or a, a grand garden. And I I don't know if you've ever visited somewhere uh, that was just beautiful. And you know, there's been times where I've had the opportunity to travel. But, you know, it's, it's not as fun when you travel alone. It's always fun. It's greater when you travel with someone that you, you love, someone that you enjoy time with. And it's just better. And I think about, I think about that, that understanding that we have. You know, when we go to heaven, it's not just the joy of heaven in, in the, the literal place that it is and the beauty of it. But actually, it's because Jesus is there. It's because we could be with him. And, and that was, that's the more joyous thing in this statement by Jesus, was that the thief and all others who will trust him will be with him. And what that guarantees, he desires there really a restful future. We can rest in him. You know, I'm, I'm looking forward to the most about heaven. It's, about, it's, it's just being with the Lord, but it's about that eternal rest. <laughs> There's a lot of work here on earth. You know, we're saved unto good works. There's a lot of laboring for the Lord here. But you know, one day there's going to be a lot of resting in the Lord. And there's going to be that joyful rest. It's a restful future. And you think about the laboring that this man was going through. We, we describe through words the agony that those who were on the cross were, that, that asphyxiation that they, had, they were going through, and the labor of that just to breathe. And yet what we, hear, we see here is in Jesus' response is a restful future. But then it's also a restored fellowship, because at the end of the day, that's what happened, right? When death came, it's separation from God. It's a departure from what was. It's a rest- and, and so it's what salvation is, it's a restoration of that fellowship. And this was a conversation that was going to continue into the next life. This fellowship was going to be one that that all of us who come to Christ for salvation, we're going to enjoy that restored fellowship. I think about John 14, 3, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, there you may be also. And what a glad thing that is. You know, the joy of heaven is it's just Jesus. It's just being with Him. It's it's about understanding and seeing with the eyes that what we were seeing with the eyes of faith we're gonna see with the eyes of flesh and we're gonna see. And I'm so glad, you know, I think about the thief in many ways many ways we're like the thief. Actually we have nothing to offer. All we can offer is a simple plea of sincerity for salvation. And then Jesus was gracious and good enough. To, to offer us this, this guarantee today. Thou shalt be with me in paradise. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you, Lord, for the time. Lord, thank you for the opportunity, dear Lord, to just get realigned again with the, the great salvation that you offered not only to that thief who made a simple plea, but Lord, to, for all of us Lord, who've called upon you to be our saviour, our Lord. Thankful, dear Lord, that we have this time of remembrance, that we do take the, the opportunity to reflect on your great sacrifice for us. And I pray that you'd, you'd help us, dear God, even now, to just understand the soberness of the time and, and then, Lord, to walk away uh, writing some things that, Lord, perhaps we've needed to deal with. And then, Lord God, rejoicing for your return. And so I pray that you'd help us this, this evening as we continue on in Jesus' most precious, holy, wonderful name. Amen. Look